Welcome back to another episode of Meredith with a Y. I am your host, Meredith Willis, and I'm super excited to be here today because I am going to be talking about me and my journey with um, my weight loss recently and my journey since I have been in high school with regard to my body and so on and so forth. So stay with me. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willis. Today, we are going to go deep changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Okay, so today I'm talking about myself, one of my favorite topics, unfortunately, and I'm going to be talking about what my journey has been since high school, and I have to tell you that it's not been pretty. Um, I have talked about before, um, you know, the fact that I am on a weight loss journey, I've quit drinking, um, et cetera, et cetera. If anyone is watching from Facebook and LinkedIn or YouTube live, feel free to leave me a comment. I'm not sure if only Facebook can leave a comment, but you're more than welcome. I'm happy to answer your questions if you are watching this live. Um, so to, to go back, I think my biggest memory for myself about my body would have been around... Um, eight years old. So that would be what second or third grade when I started to recognize that I had a belly. Um, I remember wanting to get rid of it. I remember wanting it to be gone. I remember thinking about how can I lose this belly? And we're talking again, second or third grade where I was recognizing that there were different girls in elementary school who were what I would have considered pretty and got the boys' attentions, uh, attention, and then there was me. So this actually had to be, uh, yeah, maybe second grade, third grade, I started to recognize boys' attention and whether or not you got it and, you know, what attractive meant, what pretty meant, um, that there was a possibility of not being pretty. And so I understood, you know, that you get positive male attention. Now, my parents were divorced when I was around six years old, so, you know, my dad had always been in my life, um, but, you know, I think that many women who have divorced parents where, you know, they live with their mom and they either have lost their dad completely by way of divorce and they don't see them or they are in their life. Either way, I think that there is a bit of pick me energy when it comes to being a um, girl who doesn't have a dad necessarily in their life 24 seven or you come, you know, and again, this doesn't have to be the case. This is my story. Um, and so, you know, I have always been what one could be considered be boy crazy. Um, and I think that that has to do with wanting my dad to have picked me. I've done videos about this on TikTok. If you know my dad, he's a great guy. But I, I think that we just grow up wanting that attention. And when, you know, your dad goes and, and marries someone else and has another family um, and you are, quote, left behind, I believe that there is a part of you that then seeks out male attention, male love, no matter how old you are. And it could be in the form of a stepfather. It could be in the form of a boyfriend, whatever it is. But I really learned that the more um, beautiful you were, that the more male attention you would get. And that is what I was seeking. There's no, there's no, like, it's not for me. It's not a blame game. These are just 
things that I've realized about myself that I've learned from that I share with others so that if you are a child of divorce, if you don't have a parental figure in your life, be them, you know, your mom or your dad, pay attention to wanting to be picked, pay attention uh, that you may have a desire for attention from either the same sex or opposite sex. Pay attention to the fact that you may not get along with women because women in your life were um, inconsistent, right? So the way that we're programmed as child children, a lot of times that plays itself out in other places in our life in the future. Just pay attention to it. It's not a blame game. We're not looking to blame our parents. It doesn't do anything. We want to recognize that we are now an active participant. So um, that was instilled in me again at a very young age that your attractiveness or unattractiveness, um, your weight got you what you wanted in life, which for me was male attention um, because my parents were divorced. So uh, moving forward into um, like, you know, middle school or whatever, I, I um, went through puberty extremely late. I was a sophomore in high school. And so I was like, you know, like carried the extra kind of baby weight through middle school, like super awkward. Um, ninth grade, still, you know, like a little kid. Tenth grade, finally, you know, starting to like hit puberty. And so it was in between like my junior and senior year where I grew like five inches in one summer and therefore lost a ton of weight and um, really started recognizing my own sexuality, recognizing and becoming a woman, started to work out incessantly. Is that the word I'm looking for? I think that's the word. Um, we had a YMCA down the street. I lived there. Um, and, you know, my parents are both boomers and have a bit of preoccupation with being thin a bit of preoccupation with people not being overweight and that being overweight is a negative thing. I don't know if you have boomers in your life or you are a boomer, not that there's anything wrong with it, but understand that you were raised by people who went through the depression and, you know, being overweight from where I have sat and watched the progression of weight negativity from depression parents to boomer children to boomer, you know, parents to Gen X, et cetera. It does seem like if they, they were taught, if you are overweight, you are, you know, tend to be lazy, you're overeating. And that comes from that era of the depression where people were in need of food and food was scarce. And so if you were overweight, you were probably, um, indulging. Let's just put it that way. So that's the progression there. So I was raised by boomer parents. My dad um, was always in, into bodybuilding. Um, never, you know, after like when I was a kid, he, um, I mean, I, I could not probably get my dad to even taste a piece of birthday cake at this point. If you know him, a lot of people um, do know my dad who listen. Um, he's very fit, very in shape, very active in his, um, health. My mom, you know, she's 70 plus years old, rides her bike or walks, you know, five to 10 miles a day, very active in her health. They're very active people. 
And, you know, I caught on to that. I loved weightlifting in high school. I loved doing the Jane Fonda workout down in my basement, um, jazz hands. And, um, you know, working out was a huge component of my life. Once I kind of went through puberty and realized that I had all of this control over the way people saw me. And that was a huge pivot point in my life that had come back from childhood was, you know, that my body was something that I could control, whether I was grounded or in trouble or, um, you know, friends or family situations that all out of control, but my body, I had complete and utter dominion over and the way that I attracted or repelled people with my body, the way that people saw me, the way that people paid me attention because of my body, that became very loud once I lost all that weight in high school. And so, um, I was walking four miles a day, like before prom to fit into my Uber small prom dress. And, you know, I'm not saying that a lot of people don't have this same thing where they, you know, like if you look at a lot of girls now that are in middle and high school, they do tend to be very slight, at least the girls that I see. They're very small um, humans. And I don't know if that's the rise in sports, uh, female sports or, um, you know, social media understanding, you know, body importance and being thin and looking around and seeing other thin girls. Um, but mine came from mir people mirroring. So I would, someone would say, God, you look so good. Oh my gosh, your abs are insane. I fed off of that intention, uh, attention. I loved it. And it was what I was looking for because no offense, mom, dad, I wasn't getting that necessarily at home in that positive way. Um, and, and that's fine. They have, they have their own lives. They have other kids to raise. Again, this isn't blame. This is just the way I absorbed the world around me. And so I was working out, I would say probably seven days a week. And to say I had an eating disorder would be very um, appropriate, I would say in high school. Um, lots of calorie restrictions, um, lots of, you know, paying attention to what I was eating and it wasn't paid attention to what I was eating was not paid attention to. And again, I'm just going to say right here, blanket statement, I'm not blaming anybody because, you know, we know what we're supposed to eat. I would say by the time we're, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old. And, um, I was getting the results that I wanted. And when I was in high school, we would have in gym class, we would have like these body composition, um, like tests where they would weigh you and they would check your height and they would measure your fat. And I remember going in gym class and they did the back of the arm fat pinch, right? And I forget what even my fat pinch was. I don't even remember, but I remember. So I'm five, nine now I was five, nine and a half roughly in high school. And I remember them telling me that I should weigh 127 pounds. Now I need you to understand that me with my bone structure, I have very, very large boned person. Um, and I, and I would, would ask you if you do worry about your size or your weight 
to really check in with your bone structure. If you look at my clavicle, it is huge. I have huge bones. If you put your hand, my fingers around my wrist, they barely go around my wrist. I have very large bones. So for me to weigh 127 pounds, I need you to understand I would be a double zero. A double zero was the weight my high school gym teacher told me that I should weigh. A double zero. Because at 127 pounds, I would have been a double zero. Emaciated. 100%. And that was that was my goal in high school was to weigh 127 pounds. The least I ever got down to was 140. And that is about a size four or five. So 127, 130, I, I mean, I would have been a size two, maybe like very thin, very thin. Cause at, a, at 140 pounds, I was very, 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 very thin working out constantly, walking constantly, barely eating anything. But I had a gym teacher in high school telling me I should weigh 127 pounds. And if not, I was unhealthy and I was not the ideal weight, that had a strong impact on me. And in high school, if you are not the ideal, the problem is, is that then you have disgust for yourself. You have self-hatred because you are not the ideal. You are not where you're supposed to be. You're walking, you know, you're around these girls, other girls that are getting the same weight thing, right? That you are, and they're being told, you're, you're a good weight. You need to lose two pounds. You need, I was told I needed to lose like 15 pounds and I was already doing everything I possibly could. So what did I do when you're doing everything you possibly can to lose weight, when you're working out tirelessly, doing weightlifting, doing in the basement Jane Fonda, playing racquetball, going for four mile walks. You are a size five and you still are not what your gym teacher tells you to be. What do you do? There's nothing else to do except for start taking notos. Let's take copious amounts of caffeine, copious. And at this time, I was not drinking alcohol. Um, you know, or any of those things, even though I was in high school, a lot of people, you know, drank then I was deathly afraid of my parents. So I did not drink um, at that time. So I started taking notos. And I took notos, aka, you know, legal speed, aka, you know, a form of fentramine, aka, like, let's do this. And I still couldn't get down. I think the lowest I got was probably a hundred and I mean, 36 pounds. Thin, 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 thin. They did not take into account my body composition, you know, and I'm sure the testing at the time wasn't that, um, you know, intelligent. They were just taking how much fat I had on my body. But unfortunately, my skeleton takes up a lot of, of other mass. And they didn't take into account that some of these girls were walking up and had clavicles and wrist sizes, half of mine, and had small bone structure, and that, yes, they could weigh less than Meredith. 
And, you know, the thing of it is, is that when we look at sizing, when we look at all of these things, a, a natural woman has an extra inch of fat on their body healthfully, healthfully. And, you know, the thing we need to remember is that when, when I'm standing next to a man that's five foot nine, why should I be a size extra large and he be a size medium? We have the same bone structure. We weigh the exact same, but I'm an extra large and he is a medium. Why do men normal sizes go up to what would probably be considered a triple X in women's sizes? And women usually have to shop in a plus size store. Why is that? We're the same size, but men are, are deemed normal and women are deemed plus size. It's insane to me. So as I, you know, moved on through college and went on to like, you know, starting my drinking campaign at, you know, age 19, um, I started to put on, you know, weight and probably what would be considered like normal eating, normal size. But at the time I really, you know, I, I had, my mom had always cooked pretty healthy for us. We ate very healthy food in our house. Um, I just chose not to eat it. Um, and then as I moved out of the home, um, you know, I, I still maintained a lot of those healthy eating habits, but, you know, started the drinking of beer and alcohol. So put on weight, my face got puffy. I looked at my face being puffy as me being fat, but however, it was most likely just, you know, drinking way too much during those years. I actually have decided that there's no such thing as the freshman 15 in college based on the cafeteria as they, they lend us to believe the freshman 15 is more of your drinking so damn much when you enter college that that is why you gain 15 pounds. So freshmen or other college people, if you do not want to gain the extra weight in college, it is the drinking. It is not the mashed potatoes down at the cafeteria. It is not the food. It is not the pizza. You're going to burn that off, especially if you're walking and playing sports and getting around campus. It's the booze. So don't let anyone fool you. If you want to lose weight, just stop drinking. Um, which is why everyone moves towards the seltzers because they're not as heavy in, in calories and all that stuff, but it's the booze. That's why you gain the weight. Cause that's why, you know, they call it freshman 15. It's not the cafeteria. Your mom probably cooks just as with just as much uh, calories for dad or yourself. So, you know, that proceeded, I went on and, you know, got pregnant with my first kid and that part of my life, I would say, you know, being pregnant until I had Skylar when I was around 26 ish, um, was very, I would say like food healthy. And then after I had Skylar, I got really into working out. I was a tie bone, tie bow fanatic, fanatic. I loved kickboxing. I love tie bow, which I find so fascinating. My daughter likes, um, kickboxing as well. Skylar does because I did kickboxing like a maniac. And then I got really neurotic again about the food. And usually when I get neurotic about the food, what it looks like is I eat the same exact thing day in and day out because I know how many calories they are. I know what I'm ingesting. I don't have to think about it too hard. I don't want to have to sit there and recreate the wheel and figure shit out 
over and over and over again calorie-wise. So when I get into a weight loss cycle, it is usually based on um, working out and walking and maybe doing weight training or something of the like, but it's usually very centered around eating a lot of the same things because, again, I don't want to have to think about it too much. Um, and again, like my dad, he's really into this. He eats salads day in and day out. He is very, you know, if I eat a salad, I'm good. He eats cottage cheese, things like that. So I've kind of adopted, and there really are only so many, you know, you've got your protein, you've got your fruits and vegetables, and then the way you prepare them, you know, and so it is, I don't want to say monotonous, but you're not going to incorporate a lot of pastas and rice dishes and casseroles and, you know, noodles and those types of things. It's going to be more streamlined to proteins and fruits and vegetables. That is going to be what a healthy diet looks like. So many people think, well, that's kind of boring, um, but there are a million different ways to prepare these things. So for me, I tend to get more in a rut when it comes to the eating. Um, I'm sure just out of laziness. Smoothies help with that. Protein powder helps with that. Um, RX bars, if anyone's heard of them, I'm obsessed with the AM RX bars. I eat them all the time. I have probably six in my car right now. I also like to be prepared for hunger. So I have a lot of like the handful of nuts stuff from Trader Joe's. I have those in my car. I have bars in my car. I always am prepared so I don't have to go to a fast food if I get hungry. I like to be profoundly prepared for hunger. I know that might sound weird, but I think that when we are profoundly prepared for hunger, it makes it a whole lot easier to um, to be successful in our goals. You know, a lot of people do what that you know meal prepping, meal prepping. So if you meal prep, you are prepared so that you don't go to the you know cabinet and get like pretzels or chips or junk food. That is why quote junk food. That's how we call it in our family. That's why junk food is so successful and it's so popular because it's easy. And again, Americans like things that are fast and cheap and easy and junk food is fast and cheap and easy. And so we need to make sure that we have available to our kids things that are fast and cheap and easy, which, you know, having fruits and vegetables out on the counter or having, um, you know, something in the refrigerator that's readily available, that's easy for them to get to. And you can say, hey, if you eat this um, yogurt, that's super easy and it's fast and here's berries and here's bananas and apples and all this kind of stuff. You need to have bars available for yourself and your kids. So having things that are fast and ready to go and easy, this is going to be the craziest thing, but I love sweet potatoes and they are so, so good for you. I buy three packages of these at a time. I have my last one in the freezer right now, so I need to defrost that and get more. But um, Aldi sells um, sweet potatoes over in the refrigerator section, and it has like some butter and nutmeg and cinnamon in it. And I eat this shit cold, like for lunch. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's so delicious and healthy and easy. So I like to have stuff that's ready to go. That's why I live off of protein yogurt and smoothies and AMRX bars and handful of nuts. Like these are things that I eat can eat throughout the day and still 100% maintain or lose weight. I'm still eating food that is real food 
that is not processed packaged, although the RX bars are processed packaged, they're very simple ingredients. They're sweetened with dates. It's um, There's egg whites in them. They're so good. And granted, everyone doesn't have the same palate, but I would suggest having things that are fast and easy and readily available to you in your vehicle, at work, at home. Um, and all I'm really doing is walking right now. I, I have done, I don't know if any of you know, but years ago, um, so let's see here, six, seven, eight, nine, about 10 years ago or so, nine and a half years ago, I did a juice fast and it lost, lasted 40 days. I did not ingest anything but juice for 40 days and I lost 27 pounds. When I say I did not ingest anything, I mean not even a small tomato, an olive. I did not chew. I did not chew gum, nothing. I ingested only juice that I made from juicing and I drank green water, which is like that spirulina green water with lemon and honey in it um, throughout the day for like hunger. Hot water and lemon is a game changer if you're losing weight. And um, it lets you put something in your body that is like has nutrition and sugar in it, but it's still healthy. And um, I would not suggest to anyone to juice for 40 days. Anyone. Um, most of my hair fell out. You know, I still had hair, but... Um, you know, it did prove to me that I could accomplish anything. Honestly, a lot of my life changed after that moment. Um, but not eating for 40 days is a, is a mental challenge that is pretty profound. So, you know, I did that. I've juiced for 14 days at a time. I think that's very positive especially if you have um, things in your body that you need to heal, like ulcers or um, anything in the stomach, leaky gut syndrome, anything like that where you can give your body a pause. Um, I suggest juicing three days, seven days, 14 days max for a juice cleanse um, and making sure that you are ingesting juice, positive, good juice that is a full, you know, Apples, carrots, um, greens, sweet potatoes, all of the things so that you are getting nutrition, but does allow your body to hit reset. My husband did a 14-day juice cleanse with me. He was carrying around Tums like it was his job, and he was always having heartburn. He was always just very, very uncomfortable. He did a 14-day juice cleanse, and for almost a decade, he has not had to take a Tums. He's starting to again. So it probably would behoove him to do at least a 10 day juice cleanse and let his stomach heal again. Um, cause we do put our stomachs through the ringer between drinking alcohol and, um, you know, the food that we eat, the spices, the peppers, all of these things, they are really, really, um, give our, our, our bodies a run for its money. So like, even just wait, taking three days and doing a three-day juice cleanse and letting your body just chill the hell out from the processed food that we give it, I really do actually recommend a three to seven-day juice fast. I really do to just hit reset, cut down those sugar cravings, cut down um, 
you know, all the cravings, to be honest with you, to like reset your brain, reset your body, give your body a time and chance to heal your digestive system. And I know there's a lot of people out there like your body knows what to do. Yeah, your body knows what to do when you're actually giving it real food. However, you know, how often are we actually giving our bodies real food in um, the American culture? Someone commented on um, the Facebook page that she um, was five foot six and a hundred uh, and five pounds. And, you know, she's like, I didn't know if I was overweight or underweight, but she learned that her um, to ignore. I learned to ignore my body signals, if that makes sense. I didn't want to eat when I was hungry and do not know to stop when I'm full. And it's so funny. That is so true. And it is something that I have been really working on this go around of weight loss. I'm so sick of it. I am like yo-yo dieter 101 is, and I talked to my daughter about this yesterday. I said, are you still hungry? Because I think that the majority of us to, to, were just taught to pay attention and stop eating when you're full. Stop eating when you're full. But if you remember or have ever heard, your brain is like on a delay. So your brain, it takes like 20 minutes for your brain to even realize that you're full. And so what I check in now is I say, am I still hungry? Am I even hungry anymore? Am I just eating because there's food on my plate? Am I eating because it's delicious? Am I eating because that's what I'm supposed to do because everyone else is still eating? Am I still eating because I should be hungry because I didn't have that much food to begin with on my plate? And so I'm checking in with, and I was talking to my daughter, like I said last night, about the idea like, are you even hungry anymore? Are you even hungry? I think so often we're detached from our thoughts. We are detached from our own thinking that we don't even recognize, hey, I'm I'm not even hungry. I'm just eating. And so I'm really stepping into the idea of me walking and working out now. I am trying to impress upon myself that it's actually more from my mental health than anything else. It's for my self-care. It's for the fact that I can walk. It's for the fact that I want to stay limber. I want to stay uh, that my body's and my, my body and my joints are strong and able to to do the work of walking, do the work of lifting weights, do the work of stretching. I want my body to do the work of X so that my body, when I'm 80 years old, is used to doing those movements. So that when I'm 75 and I want to go back to Ireland, I can walk. Because those are things I want to do. I started having kids when I was 23. I didn't have, you know, the young adult life. I didn't travel when I was young. I have to do it when I'm older. And so if I want to travel when I'm older, if I want to visit my kids when I'm older, if I want to get on a plane when I'm older, I have to practice for that right now. I can't have a big stomach that's in my way, that's wearing me out, that's putting pressure on my knees and my hips and my ankles and my joints. I'm carrying around this, you know, nine pound bulldog on my uh, walks now. And I'm like, man, she's really porky. Well, I've lost 40 pounds. I've lost, I've lost four dogs, <laughs> four puppies 
of weight since June that I no longer have to carry around. And this doesn't mean that 40 pounds ago, I didn't love myself. I did. I loved myself 40 pounds ago. And I love myself now. This has nothing to do with me loving my body. Actually, a lot of times when I look in the mirror now, I don't see a difference. My clothes fit different. I had to buy new clothes, obviously. But I don't see a huge difference. My husband probably does. People seeing me probably do. Some guy saw me the other day. He goes, I literally would not have recognized you had I not known that was absolutely you. So clearly other people recognize it, but I don't see a difference. I'm still the same Meredith. I love myself 40 pounds ago and I love myself now, but I also don't have to carry around 40 pounds of weight on my body. I also don't have to contend with 40 pounds around my waist when I go to tie my shoes or when I cross my legs. I could barely cross my legs 40 pounds ago. That's a pain in the ass. I don't want my body to be a pain in the ass anymore. I don't want to find that sitting on my couch is the best thing I do in a day. I like looking forward to going on my walks, but it's a habit that you have to create. Otherwise, it's a pain in the ass. Walking is a pain in the ass. I had someone reach out to me. I've actually had probably more people reach out to me on this series and on the quitting alcohol series than any other series, any other series. Um, and I think because it's starting to resonate with people post-COVID, that they are sick of themselves drinking. They are sick of themselves eating too much. They are sick of their bodies. They're sick of the weight that they put on during COVID, or they're just getting older and they want to be more active and their lives are changing because we are post-COVID. And so now I'm not saying COVID isn't still around. I'm just saying we're post-lockdown. Um, I want to get into that. But what I'm saying is, is people are like, wait a minute. I just went through this whole thing with COVID. I want to change my life. I want to do things different this go around. And so for me, I am saying I want to have this body, this new body that I am existing inside of, and that no one's coming to save me. No one's coming to fix it. No one's coming to say, let's work out together. No one's coming to pick me up and take me to the gym. No one's coming to tell me to not drink or to not eat bullshit. No one's coming. It's, it's me. No one's coming to tell me to put my sports bra on and go down in the basement today and get back on my Zing app. If you, if you like working out at home, I love the Zing app, Z-I-N-G. It's an app. It's, it's not expensive at all. I'm obsessed with it. It's like 30 minute workouts. You know, you can do them in the basement with like some cans of soup, or if you want to go buy some weights at five below. This isn't, this isn't, you know, elitist shit. It's not elitist shit to shop at Aldi's. That's where I shop. And my family does very well financially. I am, I do not need to pay for a name brand of food. I do not need 42 options of diced tomatoes. I don't need 300, 100 different options of corn. Aldi works just fine. If I want to get expensive meat, I can go to Whole Foods or Costco, but it is not elitist to shop at Aldi and buy inexpensive fruit and vegetables and health food. I'm doing this very inexpensively. You can buy yourself a, a pair of gym shoes. There's a million inexpensive brands of, you know, workout clothes, Old Navy. I'm sure Walmart has them. Target has very nice workout clothes. You can get stuff on sale. It doesn't have some of the best workout clothes I have found 
um, are on uh, Amazon. Very, very inexpensive, excellent, excellent um, workout clothes. Crazy yoga, amazing, delicious, wonderful workout pants. Love them. So this is not like stuff that only rich people can do or people that are wealthy. You can get in shape and eat healthy from, you know, farmer's markets or Aldi and go for walks. You do not have to have a gym membership to get in shape. And walking is, they have proven that, you know, it's the same as running. It just takes longer. If you walk five miles or you run five miles, you still have accomplished five miles. It just takes longer. So just walk. And it's probably better. They've shown that running is not great for your thyroid. You don't need to run. Just walk. It's better for your joints and you're going to be wanting to do it the next day. When you walk, you don't always want to do it. So, you know, this is about understanding why do I want to work out? What are my goals? What are my intentions? What am I what am I chasing? And I think that if you start chasing your own personal future, your own personal future health, instead of attention from other people or compliments or being thin for the sake of being thin. If you look at it and you say, I want to do this because I want to live a long, healthy life where I am still traveling at 70 and 80 and 90 years old, and I'm still able to walk on the beach and I'm still able to visit my kids and my grandkids when I'm older. It's not about living long. It's about living great. And I know for a fact that I am living way better, 40 pounds thinner than I was living 40 pounds ago. And a huge component in that, I'm going to tell you, is not drinking alcohol. And I know people are like, don't come for my booze, don't come for my glass of wine. And I'm not, but I'm here to tell you that when you take your health into your hands, and that is everything from food to alcohol to water to your mental health, to going for walks, to being kind to yourself. One of the best ways to get there fast is to not drink. And if you have to even whittle that down to, I'm only going to drink on Friday and Saturday night, that is a huge improvement from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's a huge improvement from Monday through Sunday. That's a huge improvement from whatever you're doing right now. If you can whittle it back, you are taking a step in the right direction for your health, for not only for you, but for your, your partner, your friends, your, your kids, everything. I mean, I have to tell you that I do a lot of work with people in the capacity of mediumship and psychic and um, intuitive life coach. And some of the most painful things that I talk about with people has to do with alcoholic parents. Alcoholic parents. And what kids deal with when their parents drink too much. Your life will not get worse for quitting drinking. It will only get better. Your health will get better. Your family will get better. Your kids will... will My relationship with my 15-year-old daughter has improved exponentially since I quit drinking. Exponentially. 
And it wasn't like I was like rolling in the house drunk. It wasn't like I was, you know, ever passed out. I never, none of that stuff. But me as a person, I've improved as a person since I've cut alcohol out of my life. You don't realize what it's doing because you're too in it. You think it's so normal. All of your friends drink. Everyone drinks. You are doing a drug. And your life will change so much if you can cut that out. Everything about your life will change when you quit drinking. I promise you. I promise everything in your life will improve if you quit drinking. Period. Period. And I know people are out there. I know people listen to me that have tried quit drinking or cutting back on drinking. You are doing your health a favor for every drink you don't drink. Every drink you don't drink is a step in the right direction for your health. And I know people are going to be like, well, no, one glass of wine. No, not one glass of wine. Not one glass of wine. One glass of wine is not healthy. If you want to get the benefits of wine, take resveratrol. There's lots of ways to get the benefits of wine without drinking alcohol. There is no safe amount of alcohol. There is no healthy amount of alcohol. I am here to tell you, your family, your relationships, your relationship with yourself, everything will improve if you quit drinking. And one of the biggest problems I see in my line of work of coaching is alcohol in a family. And it doesn't even have to be alcoholism. It's just alcohol. You don't drive your kids because you're dr drinking. You don't pick them up because you're drinking. You don't work out in the morning because you drank the night before. You overate that night because you were drinking. If you want to change your life in a profound way, your relationship with yourself and people around you, I promise you, quit drinking. You will be amazed at what happens. Um, thanks so much for everyone for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I will be back here next week with an interview. Um, if you have any questions that you want to ask, we're going to move on. Uh, in the middle of December, we're going to move on to a new series. I still have my doctor coming on to talk about, um, you know, her, she's a weight loss uh, specialist, one of the very few in the United States. She'll be on. I have another guest next week, Lynette. She's going to be here talking about her journey with weight loss. And then I also have a friend of mine coming on talking about um, her journey with gastric bypass and Ozempic. So we have one more person of which, again, we haven't had anyone on talking about gastric bypass. So we're going to talk to her about her journey with gastric bypass and the nightmares and positive that came from that. So I look forward to seeing everybody here. Um, same time, same sandbox next week. I hope you guys all have a beautiful Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for all of your support. If you haven't left a review, please do so. Um, everywhere you listen to podcasts, it really does help me a lot with even the stars or review or anything. Please take a moment and leave that. I really appreciate it. Have a great Thanksgiving. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.